welcome to another episode of Buy Side Hippies. And today we are privileged to have with us uh, Aditya Kaji, a Harvard Business School alum who is redefining a healthy snacking experience with his uh, Y Combinator bag venture, Tali Foods. So I'll hand it over to you, Aditya. Can you please tell me how did you come up with Tali Food? What is the motivation idea behind it? vision was um, to launch an alternative snacking ingredient in the US. So Aarti and I, um, you know, we were, you know, we were married founders at Tali and throughout our time in the US, we both spent in excess of eight or 10 years in the US. And we found snacking really a wash made with uh, ingredients like potato, corn, and wheat, um, very processed, really not very good for you high in carbohydrates, high in salts. Um, and so we said, you know, why, why not look towards the East um, and, and try launching snacks that we're familiar with in India, uh, you know, considerably healthy. And really the first product that we thought would fit in really well into that would be uh, Makana. We call it water lily pops. It's essentially the, the seeds of the, the water lily plant that we pop, roast in season. Um, we, we launched um, early in, or rather mid uh, of 2018 online and we launched in stores um, early in 2019 while we were at Y Combinator. Um, and I think Makana really offers itself, um, it has the ability to take on seasoning very well and take on flavors. And so that, that was, that's the reason for that product specifically. Right. Interesting, yeah. Especially Makana, I think you know one of the uh, one of the I think home like one of the most loved uh, I think snacking at least in in India. But great, you know, yeah. you started something pretty interesting, brought that flavor to US as well. So uh, Aditya, like I know that consumer business is you know really fiercely competitive, uh, and you know, but you took the plunge in twenty seventeen after your MBA. And, but I also know that, you know, this is one of the sectors, which is like, especially the superfood uh, market segment, which is, you know, growing at a 10% rate in a $24 billion uh, market size. So I just wanted to understand, uh, you know, what does it take to, you know, scale a consumer business, you know, from, from absolutely nothing with no branding to like, you know, you now being in 600 stores. So can you please guide me through your journey? How was it for you? Absolutely. Look, I'm by no means uh, I wouldn't call myself super successful or someone that's really even scale, right? 600 stores is really 10% of where we'd like to be, where we'd like to be 1,000, 10,000 stores. Uh, but what I can tell you is um, that both Aki and I had a little bit of a retail, retail background, right? We both worked in retail. I worked in consumer. I advised some of the largest CPG brands in the world uh, while I was a losing company in the US. So a little bit of that helps. Um, we spoke to a lot of customers. And right at the time that we were launching, and I'd say it's still, you know, still very true, um, alternative ingredients is, uh, they're booming. Right? You have chickpea-based snacks coming out, you have kale chips, you have banana-based, plantain-based chips, have, um, you know, have all these fantastic alternative ingredients. Vegan Rob's is, is, you know, one such successful brand that has done it really, really well. We have these Brussels sprouts chips and cauliflower chips. And so we see this plant-based trend uh, on a broader base. And we see consumers moving away from corn, potato, and wheat, as I was saying earlier. Um, and so the vision really was to build this brand in this alternative snacking um, sort of aisle, quote unquote. So like Whole Foods calls the aisle functional snacking. 
Um, we have, you know, we're in a bunch of other retailers, Central Market, Colson, Functional Snacking. And so there's all these retailers that are looking for new brands and, and you know, consumers looking for, um, looking for snacks that have the sort of soft puff kind of texture without the same processing or without the same sort of, you know, unhealthy uh, element to it. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Interesting. And the name go back to your question um the name tali was uh, was something that came up on one of our uh, very early exports well before we had a company um we we decided we want to do something in the cpg space and we said we can call the brand and the whole vision was um to call it um you know to have the word l in it and we wanted something true to our roots um in india and this, the seed is obviously indian and we said, uh, you know, L has a nice ring to it. Some of the largest CPG, CPG brands in the world have L, you know, Lay's, Apple, um, Frito-Lay, um, McDonald's. And so we just, we, we've done a bit of reading and research. And so L had a nice sort of recollection. And, and so, you know, Tali, which essentially means high five, um, is fun. And, and, and sort of that's the kind of snacking play we want to have, right? Like snack, snacks can be um, healthy and delicious. Um, and so this is really a celebration of, of exactly that. Nice. I've always wondered, okay, why is it called Tali Foods? But thanks for like, you know, just letting me know. So Aditya, uh, thanks for asking that. I just want to now understand, you know, I know your journey has been really amazing. You were like a consultant with Boost Strategy and, and did some interesting projects with Reliance Geo. So can you please tell me what skill sets, you know, you actually gained uh, in your previous uh, jobs? which helps you today as a founder? Sure, so, you know, I'd say both, right? So Boobies and Company, I was in the consumer package goods practice for a very, very long time. And I advised, like I said earlier, one of the largest CPG companies in the world. So I, I, we, we, as consultants, you travel to the client site and you really interact with people that are doing this day in and day out, whether it's, you know, working with the product team or working with the promotions team, working with the finance team. So I've done all of that for some of these large brands in the US. Um, that was phenomenal learning, right? It just gives you this sort of bird's eye perspective into how a CPG company works, how it breathes, how they think about branding, how they think about consumers, which are really, really one of the center of your business. Um, Geo, on the other hand, was um, really an extraordinary experience working with some of the smartest people in the world, um, launching mm -hmm. what can only be termed as the single most, I mean, the, the most ambitious project we've seen undertaken in India. Uh, and it's a matter of it's a matter of great pride that I take that I was part of the the team that set up this phenomenal network uh, in India, taking India um, you know, to the next stage of the internet revolution. I remember in 2013 or 2012 when Eric Schmidt, uh, former chairman of Google, visited India. He said, you know, India is at risk of missing the internet revolution. Uh, and I remember the chairman of Reliance back then um, saying that you know we're going to do this. Um, and I think um, since then I think he's delivered on his, on his promise almost ten times over. And I was part of the team that uh, really focused on how do we make consumers' life easier, right? When Geo was just launching an eKYC or an online customer acquisition um, in the telecom space was very very alien. It wasn't something that had been done before. And so just thinking through the entire customer journey, how do we, um, you know, make the product so customer centric that customers only think more than, you know, a few seconds, yeah, Geo's the one, so easy to add data, so easy to add plans and just make it very simple and robust. Um, and so at Geo, we, you know, the best training you can get as an entrepreneur in waiting, is, is the way I like to call it, is how to execute no matter what. 
right? It's it's very daunting when you take on an entrepreneurial task like setting up a company, um, hiring vendors, getting a design, getting branding, getting packaging, getting a product, getting ingredients, raw material suppliers. But I think Reliance set me up very well for that, right? Uh, if Boos set up my thought process, um, Reliance set me up for this, and my wife, co-founder, was in BCG. So similar story there, right? She'd done a lot of retail work um, at BCG, uh, worked with again some of the most successful retail brands, and then she worked with Reliance Brands in their um, in their brand in their Reliance Brands team that essentially got brands from the US and launched them in India, um, like Diesel and. Kenneth Cole and some of the very, very successful Western brands. So um, she really got this very, very uh, fantastic purview into how retail works. Wow. Uh, especially with your background at Booze, you also did a lot of like FMCG consumer uh, projects and with also your co-founder, uh, as you mentioned. So I think you were like a perfect team to like get into this consumer, the consumer segment, especially. You start a business um, because it, you're passionate about creating something. Right. Um, and I think everyone is passionate about something. So in, in some sense, almost everyone can be an entrepreneur in their own way. Um, but it just so happens that, you know, CPG was calling us and that's where we uh, sort of did time. Right. So I understand the thought process and, you know, how you are uh, the depth of understanding consumer business came from your uh, projects at consulting and especially the execution part came from, as you mentioned, uh, from your projects at Reliance, which was very dynamic and, you know, how you guys executed and, you know, India is benefiting from it is great. So Aditya, uh, here I, this is, some, I interact with a lot of entrepreneurs to, you know, understand, you know, what is the secret to their success? And I want to understand from you, what is the secret to success in entrepreneurship according to you? Is there a recipe for it? Look, I think there's two recipes, right? I think uh, when you're building something, you're building something you need to be very passionate so that's no secret there you need to be damn damn passionate about what you're doing because you're going to live and beat this and this is something uh you know one of the nika founders told me why she was building her business um and so i, I completely agree because you're living and beating this the days when you hate what you're doing but you gotta still do it because you've got to pay salaries you've got to pay your vendors people counting on you so i think the passion is unequivocal there's nothing that's more important um, and it only comes when you really are damn sure that this is what you're doing. But I think like the second, and maybe this is a little bit more important, it's the support system you build around your uh, your business, whether it's family, it could be your mom, it could be your best friend, it could be your sister, it could be your in-laws, it doesn't matter. You need to be sure that you're creating this very healthy atmosphere of people that are batting for you. Right introductions. It doesn't have to be you know people who are overly connected, but just people who are willing to bounce ideas off you. And so my my advice to anyone that asks me, it's not by, again by no means I, I hate preaching, um, but by this is by no means advice from you know, jobs or whatever. But create the support system of people that are you know contributing to the success of your business and you as the individual. Because till you have that support system, starting a business is damn tough, and making a business successful is even tougher. Um, right, I can say I've started a business. I can't say I've created a successful business yet, but we're still very small. Um, and so I think you want to make sure that you have the right people around you um, who are you know, thinking with you, or whether it's your, your classmates, your friends, it doesn't matter. Uh, build that support network because without them, it's impossible. Right, right. Thank you for sharing this insight, uh, Aditya. 
uh, and you know like unfortunately we are staying in a time in the times right now the, uh, you know because of covid 19 and especially uh, your startup being a consumer uh, consumerist uh, startup so now i want to understand you know i've seen a lot of startups you know a lot of big startups have changed their strategy have gone online have changed their business models so how did you uh, react to the change of you know of of covid induced pandemic how is how how what are you doing at tali at this point of time so we're doing exactly what you said you described it exactly well right so i think you know this time last year before the pandemic was in full flow um i'd say about 70% of our business was offline in physical stores and 30% of it was online i think it's exactly the opposite now i think about 70% of it is online and 30% of it is offline so the online has grown and the offline has shrunk and we're putting in our dollars um our dollars to work in that sort of direction we're focusing on online focusing on more profit you know, profitability you know hoarding cash not hoarding cash but basically making sure we're not burning as much cash as we used to uh being more disciplined with the way we uh, um, and so look a lot of the things that um, that you said is they hold true right we've got to focus on the on the, the new way of life for everyone travel is reduced tremendously uh people are going into grocery stores less frequently um people are ordering online more and so we're sort of you know in many ways we had already set up the infrastructure and so for us it was just to double down on that so in some ways yes it was reactionary um but i think we were well set up to you know even be preempted in some sense right right um great insights uh alta especially you know how you pivoted to like your business model to like okay uh, to you know to change in the times right now unfortunately because of covid um that's great to know uh, aditya now i want to take you into the next segment of you know your journey in harvard business school uh, which is i think one of the dreams of like so many uh, like you know indians would be there and you've gone there experienced the had that amazing experience so no i just want to understand in india you know a lot of us want to head to business schools you know like top b schools like iims or isbs to get a well paying job and you went to harvard business school and you interned at you interned in apollo global which was a great which was one of the biggest private equity firms you had some great uh, exposure in consulting but what made you think differently why didn't you take up a job and why did you head to entrepreneurship route so what you know arti and i discussed was that what you like to show you want to start doing something that you're really passionate about show sure, i mean you know what if i do ask me honestly i think i'm making less money than Many of my peers in finance are, um, but we're building something. Right? We're building something. Hopefully, that is going to outlive us. Build a brand. We're building something that's going to out, hopefully outlive them. That's the hope, and that's my uh, sort of compensation. Right? I'm not getting. I may not be drawing a salary like I would have if I was working in finance at a bank or an investing firm. Um, but I'm certainly you know creating equity, creating value, and I'm. you know at the end of the day like taking a healthy food from india to the us i think at the end of the day look i i i i the biggest sort of reward there is to see my food my my product on the shelves of a store having consumers buy it you know i just the other day i you know, we get these emails all the time but i got this email a couple of days back um from a customer saying thank you so much for your product like you i can my kid can't eat um corn based uh, so popcorn and started you know buying tali in large quantities because she can like other so this this kid can now take her product to school or wherever she you know studies right now 
and snack just like the other kids can. And so it's stuff like that, that, you know, just interact with the consumers that that is so massively rewarding. And so no regrets. And we you know, really enjoy what we're doing. We enjoy going to work every day, you know, building new products, researching new products, thinking of, uh, you know, new stores that we can get into. Um, so we're really enjoying the journey. I think it's the journey that that matters for us, at least right now. Um, then, then just you know, as you said, why don't why don't just get a job? Uh, you'd probably make money. I, I, you're probably right. We probably would make more money. Right, right. So, uh, Alta, thanks for this. Uh, so, I just want to now understand, you know, uh, how it is uh, defined by a lot of like people. You read blogs. It's like the mecca of all business schools. So, what was Harvard like for you? And you know, what differentiates a Harvard business school from other business schools? You know, what are the best? other top B schools, in your opinion? Um, I think it's the people, right? I think it's the people that you get interacted there and the sort of atmosphere of openness um, that the business school has created. And you get to interact with the entire year, some of the best faculty in the world. Um, we have amazing guests that visit the school, um, talk to us about cases. But the one thing that I think differentiates us and uh, among, you know, from the other business schools is we're, we're basically an entirely case um, case method based taught um, sort of system. So everything is taught in the form of a case case method. Uh, you know, basic finance, accounting, all of that taught in the form of uh, a case, which is essentially like a story written on a real company. In some cases fictional, but in most cases a real company or a real person, or a real business facing decision making. Um, and it's the concept that essentially pivots or creates the decision for that person. And so at the end of your time at Harvard Business School, I don't remember the exact number, but it's in excess of three, 400 cases that every single student has studied. So you now, you now studied three or 400 businesses or three or 400 people. And, and really what differentiates us again, if you think about that and take that step one step forward is we're a school that um, you know, teaches business history. I think one of the best ways to study in general is to study history. Um, we've studied business history um, in excruciating detail with multiple sort of decision-making theories that we create over the past, o over, you know, two years. So multiple classes, you can pick your classes in your second year, first year, there's a required curriculum. So the entire year is studying the same cases. And if you go down in history the last 15, 20 years, you're going to have many, many cases that you've studied that, you know, someone, you know, some of the most successful Harvard Business School uh, alumni would have studied with you. Uh, and so there's always that conversation point um, with, with a former alumnus, you know, you remember doing this case um, while you were in class. Uh, and the case-based method is very discussion-oriented. The whole, the whole class is brought into the discussion. Wow. The professor is literally a moderator, not even a professor. Right? The professor just navigates discussion into ways and means he like to, you know, points he'd like to cover. Um, but really, it's your class that teaches you. It's your peer that teaches you. It's your seatmate that teaches you, or it's a form of private equity uh, champion that brings in the school finance concept, right? Uh, or it's a Navy SEAL that's teaching you something about leadership that you wouldn't have heard from the best professor in the world, right? So in that sense, it's it's very collaborative, and they teach you that collaboration. I think going back to what I said earlier, right, the entrepreneurship piece where you've got to make sure your, your, your support system and the people around you are great. And this is really case in point where every single person in your section is contributing to your knowledge. Interesting, really, really cool uh, insight you just brought out about, you know, how people, you know, help you grow and the support system you build around yourself eventually helps you and it's helping you today as, as a founder as well. 
as you mentioned. So uh, on this point, uh, Aditya, I just want to understand, you know, the support system which you have around you. So who are the people who come to HBS? What kind of people get admitted uh, to HBS? What kind of experiences do they have before they go for the MBA? Uh, if you can just throw some light on that. It's very hard to answer that question because I think they have people from all all backgrounds, all backgrounds. There's no background that I think is left uncovered. I think that's that's even more important. There's, there's people with one or two years of work experience. There's people with you know, seven or eight years of work experience, ten years of work experience. There's former Navy SEALs, as I said, former Army uh, personnel. Um, there's entrepreneurs there. There's engineers. There's doctors trying to get a degree. There's wow. schools too. Um, there's history majors, English majors. There's a teacher that is now a founder of uh, of this drink business and so there's like all these people with very very background so there's consultants obviously there's bankers um they are looking to study management right looking to study how do you uh, what, what how do you manage people if their hands in finance marketing so you get a little bit of everything so it's it's there's it's very hard to describe the kind of background what i can say is that you know in terms of what what is the one string that holds everyone together is that they all want to learn get an mba collaborate and interact. Got it. Got it. And I, I'm sure, you know, when the admission officer sees, you know, these are the kind of people who really want to learn and want to make the best of it. I'm sure those are the kind of people who get admitted, especially from different kinds of background, adding something unique to the class as well, as you mentioned. Uh, oh. Right. So, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of people from different backgrounds come, you know, they all want to learn management and probably have something in mind as to what they want to do. Now, how is Har does Harvard Business School prepare you to switch careers? For example, if you're a marketing guy and you want to uh, become an investor in the next stage of your life, does it really prepare you and how good is the program for that? It's really up to you, right? Because as I said, the first year is a required curriculum. Every single person that goes to Harvard Business School takes the same class study the same things. In your second year is when you get to take classes. So it's called the elective curriculum. In your second year, if you want to go into, um, I don't know, CFO-based finance, there's multiple classes to do that. If you want to go into venture-based finance, multiple classes to do that. If you want to go into marketing, there's more, there is ways to do that. Uh, if you want to go into consumer packaged goods, there's, you know, there's classes where that you, know, you can learn the management around that. Uh, you can also take classes at Harvard across uh, schools, right? You can take a school, you can take a class at Harvard Kennedy, or Harvard Law, uh, and so they have that flexibility, which is great. Um, I'm not going to say it's it's very common, but it's it happens. The negotiation classes. If you think you're going to be in um, you know settings that you need to negotiate, and but look, the point still stands is that it it really is what you make out of it. I'm sure there's people, there's my there's peers from my from 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 school that wanted to um, you know maybe not not focus on the classes as much um, at Harvard Business School wanted to you know spend more time and taking Harvard Kennedy classes because they thought they're going to be government uh, related um, jobs um, and so there's that you know you have all of the flexibility so it's really what you make of it. Wow, amazing! Uh, like you know just to just to like I can only imagine you know what it takes to you know like study public policy at Kennedy School and then you know by studying business at HBS and meeting such different people as well you know from different from different uh, from different walks of life studying at very different schools and coming together, collaborating, you know, to make your experience great. So here, the, this is my last question. Uh, thank you so much for bearing with me on this. Uh, what is your opinion, you know, on starting up? Uh, do you subscribe to the idea of starting up before your MBA or you're better suited to an entrepreneurship experience after MBA? Hard question. Um, look, I've done it after and so I can advise on after. I think 
and there's a lot of people that have done it successfully before as well. Doing it before sort of gets you another opportunity to refresh. So I can see the upside there. So if you let's say you you've been not successful and you want to uh, take a break because starting up a business is exhausting, uh, and go and get an MBA, uh, that's an opportunity right there, right? So if you're working 15-hour days and and starting up and your business is launched, the next step is you'd like to uh, get an MBA and uh, and and sort of restart because your business was not successful for any reason or you sold your business. So I think that's one upside. Um, if you decide to, if you decide to do it after, just like I have, um, you take all your learnings and your networks and and sort of make sure that your business is very successful. And if, if it isn't, guess what? You have the opportunity to re-network out there and get a job if that's what you want to do. If you realize that starting up is not what you want to do, um, you can still do that after. So um, there's pros and cons. You've got to decide if you get if you if you have the right idea. I don't think it matters if you have an MBA. You don't have an MBA. You've done it. You want to do it. Just do it. Just do the idea. Go launch, um, get your hands dirty. That's the best way to do it. I really don't think it matters which way the MBA falls before or after. Great. Uh, thank you so much for for providing this insight and you know for doing this podcast uh, with us. Uh, and I think uh, you provide some really good insights, especially uh, the one I really you know liked was you know how the support of like people you know you need to have to actually you know, get you through. The tough times, whether in business and life in general, so that's great, man. And I wish you all the luck with your venture, uh, Tali Films, and I hope you make it big. Uh, and hopefully, at the M, uh, the funding with M would be a billion very soon. Uh, so best of luck on that as well. Uh, thanks again, man. Have a good day.